please remain standing as John Ringold comes to read our scripture for us this morning. Our scripture comes out of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 through 16. It's found, that scripture is found on page 703 of your pew Bibles, if you would like to follow along, or your own Bibles as well. We're going to be looking uh, very intently at these passages, uh, this scripture here in the Gospel of Matthew, and, and also going to be looking over in the Gospel of John some this morning. Again, chapter 26 of the Gospel of Matthew. Subtitled, A Woman Anoints Jesus with Perfume. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of a man known as Siphon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, when she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will always be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to pay me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. Now, God, hide me behind your cross that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're continuing examining the last seven days of the life of Jesus, recognizing that for many of us, we don't, we don't take a lot of time looking at those last seven days. Although um, 50% of the Gospel of John, uh, 40% of uh, about, about a third of, of Matthew and Luke, and, and then about a, a quarter of the Gospel of Mark were all devoted to the last seven days of Jesus' life. 
And, and so um, this, over, uh, during this season of Lent, we're, we're looking at the last seven days of the life of Jesus. And so today, um, well, we've, we've looked at Palm Sunday. L- last Sunday, we looked at Monday. Really, it was Monday and Tuesday that we looked at last week. Today, today we turn our attention uh, to Wednesday of that last week. In, in, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew almost follows a chronological order in that last week of Jesus' life. The other gospels skip around a little bit, and, and when you're reading through the other gospels, you're not exactly sure what day of the week this is or what day of the week that is, but we find in the gospel of Matthew almost a, a chronological order to those days. And so we find that on, uh, on Wednesday, Jesus did something different than, that, than what he had done on the other days. Uh, now, certainly, his, his day began like every other day in that la- on, that, uh, on that last day of the week, on, or at least on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and, and, and more than likely on Thursday, he did the same thing. He stayed in on, the, on the Mount of Olives. Uh, some of the Gospels say that he stayed on the backside of the Mount of Olives in the uh, in a small little village called Bethany. Um, so we're not exactly sure where on the Mount of Olives he stayed, but each day he would come in, he would come into Jerusalem and he would teach at the temple. And so here on Wednesday, we find Jesus having already taught uh, in the temple and already during that day in the Gospel of Matthew anyway, uh, back a couple of chapters uh, we, in, in chapter 23, we began to find what he is teaching on on that Wednesday, and he begins to proclaim woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you are like whitewashed tombs. You are pure and pristine on the outside, but inside you are full of rotting flesh. Needless to say, that sermon was not a big hit among the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day. He began also to, uh, to, tell, uh, to tell parables aimed directly at the scribes and the Pharisees. And so he has been teaching at the temple. Uh, and, um, and, and, and so um, just before this, at the beginning, at the beginning of, of chapter 26, we find, uh, we find the house of Caiaphas mentioned. The house of Caiaphas. It says, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, again, all of these woes and all of these, all of these parables aimed at the scribes and, and Pharisees and teachers of the law and, and the rulers, um, religious rulers of his day. When he had finished these sayings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man must be delivered, be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And so we learned about the high priest um, last week and even the week before. We found out that the high priest was the, uh, was the chief priest, uh, the one who would go into the Holy of Holies once every year on the Day of Atonement, and the high priest would come and make an, would make a, a, an annual sacrifice uh, that, would, that would atone for the sins of the people, for all of the sins of the people for, throughout the entire previous year. And that happened on the day of Passover. That was the Day of Atonement. 
on the Day of Atonement. And so we, we know where Caiaphas' house was located. Here, uh, again, this is, a, this is a scaled model of the old city of Jerusalem. Uh, you can see it's a scaled model. If you go to Jerusalem today, I've been told that you can, uh, that's, that model is there. And, and I have used this a lot because I've, I always like to try to get in my mind where things were in Jerusalem. And today, we're not going to find a whole lot of we're not going to find a whole lot of geography and things like that because most of the things that we're talking about today, they have, well, they've, they're, they're no longer there. Or there have been some digs there and, and they found a, a few artifacts and so you're going to see a few of those things today. But if you go to these sites today, you'll find a modern church or you'll find some modern homes in the city of the small village of Bethany. You really can't even tell that, it is, that it's there. And so uh, here on this, here on this uh, scale, on uh, this model of, of the ancient city of Jerusalem, you will see up at the top is the large temple, um, and, and, and again, that's where the Dome of the Rock is, the, uh, the third holiest Muslim site, that's where it's located today. And then down in the left-hand, bottom left-hand corner is where Caiaphas' house is, is located. And so the, the house of the high priest would have been a, one of the larger homes in Jerusalem, it would have been where um, there, there oftentimes were some kind of some backroom deals made there at the, the house of the high priest. And likewise, in the basement of Caiaphas' house um, is, a, um, is, is a dungeon. And, and you can go there today. I, I'm going to have some picture. I'm going to have a picture of, I believe, of, of the dungeon there at Caiaphas' house. They've done some archaeological digs. And, and that dungeon was, was really a prison cell for those that had been arrested by the temple guard. And, and we're going we're gonna to look at that here in just a little bit. So here at Caiaphas' house, that's where the scribes and the, uh, and the teachers of the law, they had come together and they began to plot against Jesus. Now, in John's gospel, this occurred immediately after, uh, immediately after Lazarus uh, was brought back to life, after he was, read, he was raised from the dead. And here in, in Matthew's gospel, this begins to take place after Jesus had some, uh, some unkind words, uh, some unkind words uh, about, about the scribes and, and the teachers of the law. And so, um, after, after we find that they had met at Caiaphas' house, then Jesus goes back out. It says he goes, it goes, he goes to Bethany. And Bethany was a small little village on the backside of the Mount of Olives. Now, you remember, I talked about the Mount of Olives on, the, on, on Palm Sunday. That was the mountain, really, I mean, we would consider it a hill, Maybe in western Oklahoma we'd consider it a mountain, but it's called the mountain. It's called the Mount of Olives. It's really just a, a, a taller hill just outside of the city of Jerusalem. And on the, again, on the back side of that was a small little village of Bethany. Uh, Bethany was about a two-hour, uh, excuse me, about a, a two-mile walk from from Jerusalem from Jerusalem proper. Now we find we find this city of of Bethany a couple of different times in the Gospels. The first time we find it, um, we, we, find, we hear about Bethany because it is, the, it is the hometown of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We, we find Jesus uh, coming to Bethany a couple of different times. Uh, we find one time he comes uh, and, and they, they find out that they're that, that this rabbi, this teacher, Jesus is coming. And, and you remember uh, Mary was, uh, I believe, wasn't it Mary that was busy in herself or was it Mary that came? And 
Um, somebody's going to have to remind me of that. Uh, one of the sisters came and she sat at Jesus' feet. The other, the other sister was busying herself in the kitchen. You remember the story? And then a second time that we find out about it, we find out uh, about, about the city of Bethany whenever Jesus hears about his good friend Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother. He hears that he is sick. And so um, he is with his disciples. He's teaching among the people. And they get this report that, that his friend Lazarus is sick. And he stays there two more days. And then he, began, he decides that, well, we're going to go ahead and, and go see my friend Lazarus who is sick. And when he comes into the village, one of the, well, they, they hear that Jesus is coming to the village. And while he's still a, a ways off, one of the sisters goes out and she meets him. And she tells him that Lazarus had died. And she said, Lord, if you had just been here, if you had been here a couple of days ago, Lazarus, our brother, would not have died. And then the other sister comes out of the house and she bows down at Jesus' feet and she says the exact same thing. If, if you had been here, if you had just been here, you could have healed our brother Lazarus. And, and, our, and, and your good friend and our brother Lazarus would not have died. And so Jesus goes to the tomb. By the way, it's also the other time we talked last week why Jesus wept. Um, um, or excuse me, two weeks By the ago, way, we it's also the other Jesus time. We this talk- is the other time in the Gospels that Jesus wept. After his friend Lazarus had died, he saw all of the weeping and the sobbing and the mourning of this community. And, uh, you know, it's... Typically, most of us, it's our very first scripture that we ever memorized. It's the shortest scripture in all. It's the shortest verse in all of the Bible. Jesus wept. I believe he was moved with compassion for his friends. And so he told them to roll away the stone, the stone that was in front of that tomb that Lazarus had been in. And, and, and the family member said, Jesus, you don't want to do that. He has, he has been in that tomb for four days. The, the, the aroma will be overwhelming. Please don't do that. But he convinced them to roll away the stone in front of the tomb. And he yelled out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, who had been dead for four days, he was resurrected and he, he came out of the womb still covered in those burial cloths. And the gospel of, of John says that it was, it was that reason, it was that reason that the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to, uh, began to, to try to trap Jesus and they were, they were looking, they, they, were, they were looking to kill Jesus. So this story today, this, this story about a, a, a leper and a, and a grateful woman and a traitorous friend, it is found in all four of the Gospels, in all four of the Gospels. But if, but if you look at, at Matthew and John's Gospels and you, and you look at them together, I think we get maybe a better picture of what went on in, at, at this story. And so I want to I read you to you from, from the Gospel of John. Uh, in in the in the twelfth chapter of the of the Gospel of John, beginning at verse one, I want you to I want you to hear this version of this story. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave him a dinner from him there, or for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, 
and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Okay, so if you combine these two stories together, there are a couple of things that we learn. First, we learn that the, uh, in, in Matthew's gospel, we learn that the house is the house of a man by the name of Simon the leper. So why in the world do you think he would be known as Simon the leper? Well, it's pretty obvious. He had leprosy. Whether he continued to have leprosy or he had been healed of leprosy, we're not exactly sure. But what we do know in the Gospels is that Jesus had already healed 10 people with leprosy at one point. Leprosy um, is a bacterial infection of the skin. It is, it is now treated. It is now treatable. In fact, it has been treated. It's had, it has been treatable since the 1940s and, and beginning in the 1960s. They even developed a, a better treatment for that. And so if people... Uh, if people contract leprosy today, it is, it is very treatable and even very, very curable as well. But during the time of Jesus, it was not treatable and it was not curable at all. They believed that leprosy was extremely contagious. However, leprosy is not very contagious. Now, it, you, can, you can get it, uh, but that is because you come into contact typically with the saliva of another person. And, 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 and so, um, I mean, it takes some really close contract, contact with someone in order, to, uh, in, order to, in order to catch leprosy. But during that time, during that time, they believed that leprosy was, uh, they believed it was very, very contagious. And so, and, and so leprosy itself was, it's a bacterial infection of the skin. And if left untreated, it will begin to deteriorate the, the skin so much that it will then move from the skin into the, uh, into the muscle tissues and then even into the bones itself and the tendons and ligaments. And if left untreated, you'll begin to lose, you'll begin to lose parts of your body. They will literally rot off. And so typically, someone who had been suffering from leprosy for quite some time, they would, be, they would typically miss, be missing uh, many of the fingers on a hand, or, or some of them, if it, had, if it had gotten to such a degree, they, were, they would be missing an arm, or uh, they would begin to, begin, uh, begin to have uh, parts of their face that had begun to, to rot off. And, and so many of them were missing uh, parts of their nose or or an ear, typically it would begin with the extremities. And, and, and if someone had leprosy, they would, they would have to it obviously have that part of, their, part of their body extremely covered up. And then kind of the rule was that if you had leprosy, you had to shout out. If you were going to be in a crowded street, you had to shout out before you, leper, leper, so that others would part the way and they would be sure not to be able to contract that disease. And according to the Old Testament, I mean, leprosy was, I mean, this was an awful, awful disease. And there was, 
I mean, there was some, there was some spiritual significance they found from leprosy in the Old Testament. You were not to have contact with a leper. It would not only, it, I mean, there was not only a, a, a chance of you getting that disease, but more so, religiously, you became unclean. But Jesus, when he, when he healed those lepers, he touched them. That, that would have been absolutely shocking for Jesus to have touched a leper. And then, here in this story, we have Jesus dining in the house of a leper. Now, again, we can take this in uh, two different ways. One, we could take it that, that Simon was still a leper and he still struggled with leprosy. But more so, I think probably uh, the, the, uh, uh, the more realistic story was that, that Simon had been healed of leprosy. And so Simon wanted, Simon wanted to throw Jesus a dinner party. I mean, can't, don't, don't you get that sometimes? Whenever you have a, an answered prayer in your life, you, you want to... I mean, you want to thank God. You want to, you want to tell others about it. You want to tell God, others how God has, has been impacting your life. And, and you want to show God how much you appreciate that, that prayer, uh, that answered prayer in, in your life. And so I think that's probably what the case was. So Simon the leper, Simon the one who had probably been healed of his leprosy through this party, through this party for Jesus. And here we have uh, one, of the, one of the gospels says, it doesn't mention who it is, it just simply says a sinful woman. In the gospel of John, we find it is, it is Mary, the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. And she came and she, now again, there's, there's a little bit of difference in, in how this story is told. In the other gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it says that, that Mary took that alabaster jar full of expensive perfume and she put that put that perfume on his head in John's gospel we have her uh, putting that perfume on on his on his feet here's a here's a picture of an alabaster jar um, it, it's it's very similar to quartz if you if has anybody been to the alabaster caverns over near freedom Oklahoma okay uh, th- that is alabaster it, it, it's almost like a, a quartz Accords. And so there would have been a, a jar very similar to this. And inside that jar, we find there was nard, or it was a very, very ex- expensive perfume. So much so that a, that a jar of nard, would have, it would have cost someone a year's wage, an entire year's wage. And so we have here Mary breaking open this jar of very expensive perfume, and she anoints Jesus' feet, or she anoints his head, one of the two. And John's gospel says that she began to weep at his feet, and she began to, she began to, to anoint his feet there and dry off his feet with her hair. So why in the world would she do something like that? Why would she do something like that? The other gospels, I think, again, give us an insight into her because they said she was a sinful woman. Why would a sinful woman be, an anoint, be anointing the feet of Jesus? Because she had been forgiven. She had been forgiven. As, as Caitlin asked the children, what's your most valuable possession? Would you be willing to give that to Jesus? A year's worth 
I mean, a, a 25, I mean, imagine it, a 25 or $30,000 bottle of perfume. She gave it to Jesus. Caitlin helped us to see that the most valuable possession that we have is our heart and our lives. We're called to give our, our hearts and our lives to Christ himself. Judas Iscariot, as the scripture says, Judas Iscariot, in, in, his, in his zeal for helping others, supposed zeal for helping others, although John's gospel says uh, he gives us some insight why Judas said this. He said, well, I mean, this is a waste of money. Isn't this a waste of money for her to be, uh, to, to, for her to be breaking open this $30,000 bottle, uh, $30, bottle of perfume? Wouldn't it be better for her to have, to have given this perfume so it could be sold and, and given that money to the poor? Jesus, I believe, knew what motivated Judas. It wasn't that he had concern for the poor, but instead he wanted to skim some off from the top. And he was mad that, 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 that Mary didn't go out and, and sell that bottle of perfume and, and give him the $30,000 so he could take, what, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 off the top for himself. And it was at that moment, it was at that moment then that we find, that we find Judas going, to the, going back to Caiaphas' house. We, we, we find it here beginning in verse in, in verse 14, then one of the 12, whose name was Judas, went to the chief priest. And again, in the other gospels, we find that he went to the chief priest in Caiaphas' house. And he said, what will you give me if I deliver, here, deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver, again, about a month's wage. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Judas sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. So if you go to, if you go to Jerusalem today, you can go to Caiaphas' house, and they have excavated the, the, two, or the, the dungeons down in Caiaphas' house. We, we, find, uh, we find Caiaphas' house uh, coming up again in the, in the, in the book of Acts. We find, we find that Peter has been arrested in the book of Acts, and you know where they put him in jail? And, and the reason that he was arrested in the book of Acts was because he was proclaiming the good news of Jesus and the salvation came through Jesus Christ. And the Jewish leaders, they arrested Peter and they put him in Caiaphas' house. They put him in Caiaphas' house. Again, again Caiaphas' house is going to be there in the lower hand of the city of Jerusalem, just outside of Jerusalem there, there really are two valleys, the Hinnon Valley and the Kidron Valley. And the Kidron Valley runs behind the temple on the, on the right-hand side of the Kidron Valley is the Mount of Olives. Down, down just, outside of, just outside of Caiaphas' house is the Hinnon Valley. We find in Scripture the Hinnon Valley was where Ahaz and Hezekiah, they, they took and they sacrificed children to the to the. Uh, to the Assyrian god of, of, uh, of Molech. And they sacrificed children there in the Hinnon Valley. It was a place, the Hinnon Valley was the place where those things that were unwanted were, were put. It became the trash heap of the city of Jerusalem. They, they dumped their trash there in the Hinnon Valley. It was where, it's where you, you dumped the things that you didn't want. 
The reason I bring this up is if you read through the rest of the Gospels, we find out what happened to Judas. So indeed, Judas did offer that he would, that he would betray his master. He offered that he would, he, he would, he would, uh, he, he would tell the, the, the Jewish leaders where Jesus was. And, and here next week, we're going to be looking at this. After the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples, Jesus went out to the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, and, and Judas knew that he was there, and he, he brought the temple guards He brought the temple guards to Jesus where he was. And after he had betrayed Jesus, we find that Judas went back to the house of Caiaphas and he said, I don't, I mean, I don't know what was, what was I thinking? He he really, it looked like he had second thoughts and he realized, I mean, he didn't, I don't know that he exactly knew what he was doing when he, when he decided to betray Jesus. And he took those 30 pieces of silver and he threw them back at the at the Jewish leaders, and he said, I don't want this money. This is blood money. And the scripture says that he took, he went outside, he went outside the city of Jerusalem. Tradition says that he went out to the Hinnon Valley and he hanged himself. He hanged himself on on Good Friday. I wonder what had happened had had Judas waited just a couple more days. Think about it. Peter found himself in the exact same position. He too had denied Jesus. He too had sold himself. He too had, had sold Jesus out. Three times, in fact. Hey, aren't you one that was with Jesus? And Peter said, no. Surely you're one of his disciples too. This is when Jesus is is undergoing a trial. And he said, no, I never never knew him. Oh, surely, surely, you sound just like one of his disciples. And he began to curse. But do you remember what happened after the resurrection? You remember Jesus offered forgiveness to Peter. I wonder what would have happened. I wonder what would have happened had Judas given it just three more days. Just three more days. Don't you think that Jesus himself would have forgiven even Judas himself? Hear me down. Hear me now, dear friends. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how much in despair that you are, no matter how lost you think you are, you are never lost, so lost that God cannot and God will not forgive you. Just three more days. Judas would have seen that the, that, that the worst thing is never the last thing. When we sell Jesus out, with the way that we live, that's never the last word because Jesus Christ has the last word. And that last word is forgiveness and grace and salvation. Lord, help us. Don't ever lose hope, dear sisters and brothers. Never think that you are so lost that God can't forgive you. 
Never think that you are so far from God's grace that God can't reach you. He will reach you and He will forgive you. And He'll love you. Just three more days. And Jesus would have been there waiting to say, Judas, I forgive you. I love you so much. No matter how lost you think you are, no matter how alone you may feel, no matter how far you think you have, you have strayed from God, you can never run far enough. You can never outrun God's grace. Would you bow with me? God, many of us, some of us here today, right here today, feel like we have, we have strayed so far. Some of us here today may be so full of despair, and we may be wondering, we may be wondering, God, are you there? Some of us here today may even be to the point we may be, we may be wondering if it's, if it's time just to give up. Three more days. Just three more days. And Judas would have seen the, your plan. He, he, would have, he would have seen that, that, that the worst thing is never the last thing. He would have seen that there was meaning in the death of Jesus Christ. That there was resurrection. That there was victory even over death itself through Jesus Christ. God, come and meet us in the moment of our need. Come and meet us in those times and in those places where we have betrayed you, where we have denied you with our hearts and with our lives, when we have found ourselves in the pit of despair, thinking, well, this is going to be the last thing, because it's the worst thing. The worst thing is never the last thing, O oh Lord. Because you are love, you are life. Come and meet us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.